Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Tonight, we're doing our Western Conference first round playoff preview. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, joining us tonight as as a very special guest, JD Styles, Jeff Duarte. I just noticed NHL director of content now at Cali Sports News. Is that a, is that a new development there, sir? Fairly new. To, to be honest, Mark, it is not. I have been that for well over a year. Okay. Thanks for noticing, Mark. Oh, well, I'm catching up. I'm catching up. Um, I think last time we talked, I was I was talking about the Kings contributor at Cali Sports News. But, uh, well, anyway, belated Which congratulations, well. I guess. <laughs> um, well, well, thank you. And that, that is true as well. I do cover the Kings, so it works out perfectly. Well, I apologize for that, sir. Sorry about that. Um, let's jump right in. We're going to start off with the uh, number eight seeded Minnesota Wild, kind of back their way in down the stretch, losing uh, every game since they clinched. And I'm not sure about how they're playing going into the first round, where they will be playing Dallas. I, what I wanted to what I wanted to lead into that with was uh, the old franchise playing the new franchise. That's only the uh, intriguing storyline in that series to me really i don't think we're uh looking for an upset there especially i guess with zach parise questionable or or you know they they were starting to report that he's he's dinged up a little bit and without without him in the lineup i don't even i don't i don't see too much to worry about here for dallas um i'll let i'll let jeff take this one to start with why don't you break down a little bit of that series for us well, Mark, um, actually what you just said there in that opening segment, um, the only thing that really intrigues me, going back to what you said, is of the series is the fact that it is the Minnesota Wild against the Minnesota North Stars. I mean, that's how I'm kind of looking at it. And I think for me, anyways, that's the only thing that's really appealing about this series because I really think it's going to be lopsided one way. Um, the Minnesota Wild, in my opinion, is, I mean, they are. They're the weakest team in the playoffs in the Western Conference, possibly in the whole NHL playoffs. Uh, the Dallas Stars were, what, first overall in goals with 265, you know, fourth overall in power play. These guys can score. I know Tyler Sagan, he's had an Achilles injury. They're staying in the day-to-day. I don't know what the latest update on him is, but they got Jamie Benn, who's a stud. They got Jason Spezza, who scored 33 goals this late in his career. Whoops plays up kind of like a Joe Thornton or an Adam Oates type player, a guy who collects a lot of assists, and I was getting 30 goals, 30 assists. And you got Patrick Sharp, who's won three Stanley Cups with Chicago. So, like, really, really heavy offensive team in Dallas, well-coached by uh, Lindy Ruff. The Minnesota Wild, like you said, without their captain, Zach Parise, for Minnesota to pull a series win against Dallas, they really need all hands on deck. For sure. They need their goaltender. Devon Dubnik to really perform miracles uh, for the entire series. I mean, they need Nikul Koivu to score more, more goals. They need, I mean, Ryan Suda is a fantastic defenseman, but they have Thomas Vanek, who's had a horrible year. I mean, he yeah. has only had 41 points in 74 games. And this is a guy who's known to disappear in the playoffs anyways, like he did with Montreal when they went to the conference final. I mean, when the going gets tough, the cup gets going, he's not a guy you can rely on. So they need everybody on there, and only 18th overall with goals. You know, uh, Dallas isn't the best, in my opinion, the best defensively. Uh, Antti Niemi, and that only has a 905 save percentage this regular season, and sometimes regular season stats don't transfer well into the postseason because it's, like Wayne Gretzky says, it's a different season within a season. But Miami does have that championship experience. Terry Leppinen only has a 906 save percentage. I don't think they need to, need to against Minnesota anyway. They don't score a lot of goals. I'm really predicting the stars in five, and I think I'm being generous to the wild. I, I, I on the uh, NHL bracket, I got, I got Dallas in five as well. Is there any, is there any hatred in the uh, state of hockey for the Dallas Stars? Is there anything that the fans are going to rally against getting to play their own club, or was it really just? us talking about it more so than what the reality is. Um, what do you think? Uh, I honestly, I, I'm not 100% sure, but that's a question I ask myself 
once this bracket was set. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I started thinking, I started thinking about what about like those longtime Minnesota hockey fans? Because Minnesota has very strong grassroots hockey, 100%. and the Minnesota North Stars, and they were in the like the North Stars were in the league for a very long time, made two Stanley Cup finals as the Minnesota North Stars, and of course, you know, lost the team to Dallas only to get the expansion Minnesota back, uh, Minnesota Wild. So as and like I'm, I'm trying to think like as an old Minnesota North Stars fan, like if I was hatred for the North Stars, and I don't know, I can't answer that. I would if it was the Kings, and I'm a Kings fan for those who know me. If the Kings had moved and become a different franchise and won the Stanley Cup, um, not in Los Angeles, kind of like the Dallas Stars did, kind of like uh, the Colorado did, you know, with, with Quebec. the Quebec franchise. Yeah, I probably would have followed. I probably would have followed that team. As a fan, you know, I would still follow the franchise. That's me personally, but that's a very good question. Um, whoever were former North Star fans, I would recommend they go back to being Dallas Star fans because uh-huh. that's where the series is going to go. So, well, I I did live through that exact scenario when uh, the, the Rams moved out of Los Angeles to St. Louis and then won the Super Bowl. So, Perfect the, the first time they went to the Super Bowl, I and I have to say, rooted against the Rams in my anger at them leaving L.A. And after that, I felt that my penance was due and returned to following them. And I'd just be interested to talk to someone from Minnesota to see if they rooted heavily against Dallas, against Buffalo back then. And then after that, kind of said, well, okay, uh, and and re-embraced Madonna and, and those boys. So that'd be an interesting question to find out. But now... Now, oddly yeah. enough, I'm on the totally, almost probably the minority opposite side. As the Rams go back to Los Angeles, I really kind uh-huh. of feel bad for St. Louis because I went through the exact same thing. And now that people were talking about, I'm going on a tangent, but um, people are talking about, oh, no expansion, just give Vegas Phoenix, just give Vegas Carolina. Well, I don't want any other city to go through losing a franchise just so we can have one so i've always been an exp- right. expansion guy as opposed to a relocation guy but uh that's what do you what do you think about this series chris i'm gonna bring in chris and uh I, he's always good with the numbers and the breakdown so maybe he's got a little hope for minnesota there chris what do you think yeah i, I actually um think this is gonna be a lot more competitive series um and i i get it the wild finished the season very poorly they basically won that big game in Colorado uh, like the last weekend in March and didn't win a game the rest of the season. Uh, but for me, let's keep in mind that, you know, Dubnik is definitely capable of putting together a number of very strong performances. And when he's on his game, I mean, he is like a, a wall, literally and figuratively. Um, this is a team that does have a very strong blue line as well, so that translates translate well for the playoffs in addition. Obviously, they need Parisi to be ready and raring to go. So if he is out, that is definitely a big concern. But let's keep in mind, too, in terms of Minnesota, you know, the last two years, um, you know, they have won a playoff round each year. Two years ago, in the same position, I believe, they were the eighth seed and they knocked off the uh, number one avalanche. I believe that is correct. I think they were. I think that was the seedings. And the last year, they knocked off St. Louis. Uh, as well. So the one thing I will say about Dallas, and I, I could see the the arched eyebrows on Matt Pryor's uh, uh, on Matt Pryor in Texas, as I'm saying this, is you know this of all the playoff teams, they have the worst uh, goals allowed per game. They finish 19th, and you know so that is the one that is the one concern I would have uh, about Dallas. I do believe they'll win this series, but. I think it will be competitive. I think uh, I think it will be a competitive six-game series. I'm going to say Dallas and six. Do you have uh, Do you have the possession numbers in front of you, Chris? Do you know what their the Corsi numbers are for them? I I don't I don't I, I you know none of Minnesota's numbers are great other than uh, goals allowed per game, which they were in the top ten. They were actually ranked ninth. But when you look at their offensive numbers, power play, I'll give you a huge stat for this series, um, as I should have brought up before, is the Stars had the fourth-round power play that J.D. mentioned, to, uh, mentioned, and the Wild had the 27th-ranked uh, penalty kill. So, obviously, 
excuse me, Minnesota needs to stay out of the box, and they need to do a much better uh, job in that regard because if those numbers hold true, then that, that's going to be a big problem. <clears throat> I agree. That kind of foreshadows something that's going to come up in the King Shark series too. Um, anyway, I, I believe uh, I did get I did get a, a real quick note on Tyler Sagan. I uh, did get a text from Matt Breyer today saying that Sagan uh, is fifty uh, fifty for Game One, but should be back in the lineup early in the series, probably Game Two. They really didn't miss a beat when he went down, though. They. Uh... They they charged right ahead, and I, I thought maybe at the time they were tied with St. Louis, I believe, at 98 or 99 points, and the Kings were sitting at 96, and the Ducks were at 95, and I thought that it was a chance at that point that either the Ducks or the Kings could put together a run and catch them, expecting Dallas to kind of go in a little slump with Sagan out. That didn't happen. They they charged right ahead and, and finished number one in the conference. So I'd, missing him for a game or two, I don't think impacts the series uh, really too much at all. The one thing I the one thing for Dallas too, and I, I said it a few times now, is that adding adding Patrick Sharp, Johnny Oduya, and Anthony Emmy absolutely changed the culture in that that locker room from last year to this year, putting the the Stanley Cup pedigree in place that they really didn't have before. Um, I think is, a, you know, numbers, whatever, contributions. I think having just those habits and that history in the locker room actually absolutely helped those younger guys that Dallas had. And I think they come out and win this series in five. Um, I'll say, you know, Dallas gets two at home. They go, Minnesota might rise up and, and play a real gritty game three, but I think in the end, Dallas just has too much for them. I do, I do give a little bit of credit to um, they're going to have to turn up and lock down their, their goals goals against and if they want to go farther in, in, in the playoffs. Um, but I, I think they could outscore Minnesota even if it gets into a 5-2, 5-3 kind of game. Um, I think Dallas is going to carry the play for that. So if you you guys got anything else on this, or are you ready to get rock and roll? Um, I'm good. I think I think that pretty much does. Okay, well let me cut us out and take a, take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back for Ducks Predators after we come back from the break. Hello, hockey fans. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Victory Martial Arts Las Vegas. If you're interested or been thinking about getting you or your kids or your family into martial arts, there's no better no better outfit in the country than Victory Martial Arts. I can say that from personal experience. My daughter's been enrolled with Victory Martial Arts for the past uh, seven years, She's tw- and she's 12. So I've spent a lot of time of her life down there at Victory, and I can tell you right now it's a first-class organization. If you're looking for adult classes, they teach Krav Maga, which is uh, Israeli Secret Service-inspired martial art. If you're looking for family classes where you can take your kids and get on the mat with them, they have Family Taekwondo. They have Karate for Kids where they're not just learning forms and sparring and executing punches and kicks, but every two months they institute a new life skill into the program where the kids learn honesty, communication, discipline, self-esteem, and in each cycle they drill the pillars of behavior that the kids need to act in order to conduct themselves with honesty, discipline, self-esteem, and communication, and so on and so forth. They're the 12 pillars of life, as they call it, at Victory Martial Arts. So there's more going on there than just uh, punching and kicking and exercise, but it's great for that too. If you're into MMA, they have a MMA program inspired and designed by former UFC lightweight champion Anthony Pettis called Victory Showtime. Uh, he owns Victory School in Milwaukee and is very in. If you follow Anthony Pettis at all, you know that he's a uh, Taekwondo black belt in that's the show, the cage kick, the ninja kick. 
his his kicks and strikes are some of the most dynamic in the UFC, and it's because of his Taekwondo background. So if you guys are interested in that, they got a special right now. If you if you call down there, 702-645-5425, use the promo code when you call them, the Vegas Hockey Podcast. They'll give you two free weeks of classes and a free martial arts gi for you and your family and whoever whoever you bring down. Um, so that's pretty cool. Check them out. That's 50 Martial Arts, Tanea, 7270 West Lake Mead Boulevard in the northeast corner in the Whole Foods parking lot. Again, 702-645-5425. Check them out. And welcome back, Hockey fans. Thanks for joining us once again. I had a little audio deal there I had to deal with real quick. Um, we're going to jump right into Ducks Preds. I'm going to let Chris take the ball on this one. Um, this is probably going to be a pretty close series, I think. I think uh, Johansson settled in there quite nicely and kind of slotted the other guys that they had back down where they probably belong a little bit more than where they were playing. Um, I th- think, well, I'll save, I'll save my thoughts for afterwards. Uh, I'm going to let Chris kick off this one. So what do you think on the Ducks-Preds, Chris? Yeah, it should be an interesting series. I mean, the Ducks have, uh, it's kind of interesting. They actually finished first overall in goals allowed uh, per game. Uh, lowest amount of goals allowed per game, number one power play, and number one penalty kills. That's that's, that's pretty good rankings right there. They actually uh, finished with the 17th ranked offense, but if you remember, uh, I think the first third of the season, they were averaging something like 1.85 goals per game. Right. So the fact that they finished year near the middle of the pack shows you how well they were scoring. Um, you know, the, the thing about the Ducks are they are a bit banged up, to say the least. I don't think we're going to see David Plon in this series. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they're going to go with Gibson or Anderson. Uh, uh, I think I was reading that Boudreau was torn about it. What interests me in this series is, you know, for the last number of years, and, and definitely based on talent, you know, we talk about Pecorine being such an elite goalie. And, you know, in these huge moments in his career, we just haven't seen it enough. So I'm, I'm curious of... Are we going to see not just one game, but a, a complete series at a high level from Pecorine? And I'm also curious of if Ryan Johansson, if he's going to step up and show Nashville that, yeah, you were smart uh, to make that trade, uh, you know, for me. Um, I think the Ducks are just too deep, personally, uh, in, in this series. I think Nashville uh, will will give them a heck of a fight. I think this will be a bit of a carbon copy in terms of how the games are played and how close they are, maybe a couple overtimers. Uh, I think last year the Predators were involved. Was it a four? Did they have a four-overtime game against the Hawks? Do I have that right, or was it a three-overtime game? Three? I, I, I forget now, but uh, maybe we won't, we won't get that. But uh, I'm thinking Ducks in six, uh, in a, but in a very, very competitive six-game series. I, th- I think the Predators gave the Hawks all they could handle last year. There was a couple of multiple op- overtime games in that series, if I remember correctly. And I th- obviously playing in that division is just the murderer's row this year. So I think it's probably, I'm not going to say six yet. J.D., what's, uh, talk to me, buddy. Ducks, Preds. Um, I agree with Chris, where it's going to be a really uh, heavily competitive series. This is going to be a tough, tough series. And, uh, you know, the Ducks are going to have their hands full beating Nashville in the seven-game series and vice versa. Um, The thing with Nashville, though, like, has Nashville ever made it past the second round of the playoffs? I don't remember them doing that. Have they made the conference final? Do you guys know? I don't think they have. No, I don't think they have. And as much respect as Nashville gets, and sure, you know, they've lost, they like the Chicago, you know, like, you know, a tough team to beat in the playoffs. 
But it's tough, like the reputation that Nashville has, I and mean, we haven't really seen it this year, and the numbers don't show it this year. But like you said, like Peke Rene, this is a guy who had a 9.30 save percentage back in 2011. Last year had a 9.23 save percentage, and this year struggled. He had injuries. Uh, there was confidence issues. He ended up with a 9.08. Uh, Nashville, for them to pull off, you know, a victory against the Ducks, and the Ducks have a lot of depth. Um, I, I my preseason prediction for Cali, uh, Cali Sports News, I had the Ducks making. Oh, it is now like a final. Um, so the, the Ducks are dangerous, and as bad as they were in the first half of the season, like I know I, I said it on this podcast and I said it in some of my articles, I think I thought they were too good to be that bad. And now, you know, now they're back and they're dangerous. But you know, Nashville's going to need Pekka Rene to be the Pekka Rene of the past, but he needs to be someone who can be as solid as he can in the postseason. I mean, last year, like all those overtime games against Chicago, man, it's fifty-fifty; it can go either way. But like they need Ryan Johansson to score goals. And I know he got a lot more comfortable near the end of the season. And here's the thing about Nashville. Like, on paper and on theory, to me, per- I mean, in my opinion, they're like the most defensively sound team in theory. The numbers don't represent that. I understand that. But, you know, if you look at them, it's like, man, these guys should be completely solid. And what other team in the NHL can give up a defenseman future superstar like Seth Jones? in a straight one-on-one trade for Ryan Johansson. Most teams can't give up that type of, you know, prospect, that type of player that could be an all-star in the future, and defensive, too. Like, those players don't come along. But they got Roman Yossi, they got Shea Weber. If Peckin Rennie could be Peckin Rennie, they got some amazing defense, if it all works out. But they need Ryan Johansson to score. He only scored eight goals as a predator in 42 games. He did get 34 points. He got a lot more comfortable at the end. I mean, they have James Neal. He bounced back to 31 goals. Uh, Philippe Forsberg, um, you know, he's been really shining the last few years. But the thing with the Ducks, man, I know they're banged up. I don't know how 100% Ryan Kessler is. I don't know how. Uh, I know he's going to be back to the playoffs. I know uh, Gibson's going to be back. Anderson's had concussion issues, but he was back at the end of the season. Like, how banged up are these guys? And the fact that they had such a tear at the end of the season, is there anything left in the tank? Which has been an issue with the Ducks before. So Nashville's going to be very tough for them to do it. I do see the Ducks getting over the Preds in the end. I'm going to say a seven-game series. And, like, Nashville, for them to have a chance, they really do need to score. And they need – like, they like the Ducks aren't scoring this year like they did in the past. Props to Bruce Boudreaux for changing uh, the style of the team because the Ducks were tanking so bad. They had to use a more trap defensive system. Instead of scoring more goals, hey, let's just prevent goals. And it worked very well. But the Ducks improved uh, defensively big time. Nashville is the type of team they can beat the Ducks, but I don't think they're going to do it this time. I say Ducks in seven. It's going to be a tough series. I am. You you touched on something that me and Chris were talking about, and it it was true with the Flyers kind of as well as the Ducks that they've been pushing. They, excuse me, they've been pushing so hard for so long. Um, the the question of what's left in the tank is uh, did they push too hard because in that last game there against Washington they had uh, they listed ten players with injuries in the little in the little pregame blurb they had on NHL.com and yeah they're heavily heavily banged up one of one of the things that I think cost them in in the last couple of years is their depth scoring and bringing in Perron I think is really when the whole turnaround of the season started because it let them split uh, Getzlaff and Perry and create a little more depth working their way down their forward core. And without him, I'm wondering if if now... And he's been out for a little bit, and, and they did they did struggle a little bit. After the, after they caught the Kings in, in that matinee at Staples Center, they kind of, you know, took a few, took a few off or, or took a couple losses and the Kings created a little bit of separation, only to be overcome, obviously. But I wonder if there is anything left in the tank. And another thing that I really liked about Anaheim, and I picked them last year to beat Chicago, was their young defense core, who is also banged up. I saw Vatnin was was uh, dinged up a little bit. Obviously, Boschman's gone. I'm wondering what his experience level to be able to settle the games down with some of those younger kids, not having that crutch, if that is going to affect them in the playoffs. Um, I, I'm not 
really sh as solid as you guys are on the Ducks, but I am going to go ahead. And, and the other the other question I have is if it does, you say Ducks and seven, Jeff. Um, do they do they get back home in that game seven? I mean, the the ghosts of game seven's past have. <laughs> I mean, they have to be yeah. there. They have to be there. Getzloff, I mean, I don't want to hammer on the Ducks because I think they're a great hockey club, but, I mean, that Game 7 Getzloff yeah, have it. This is not the Kings of the Hawks in Game 7, either. No, that's also true. That's also true, but I just wonder if you get to that point, and there's got to be a little doubt in your mind about is this going to happen to us again? Um, someone's going to – if it gets to Game 7, someone, someone either, either Gibson or – or uh, Anderson, which another another they've both been dinged up here down the stretch. I don't know if either one of them is really healthy. And if if it gets to Game Seven, I'm almost thinking that their goalie is going to have to steal that game for them to get them over the hump. Um, I, they're both great goaltenders. It I I I think it's going to have to end earlier than that. If it gets to seven, I might just for that reason, I might like Nashville to finish it up. They don't have that. Uh, they don't have that history that that's going to be in. See, I'm a stories guy. I'm more. I'm more of a stories guy and a field yeah. guy than I am a numbers guy. I love it. Um, I, I love I, it. I, so you going? You going? Are you going Nashville? Um, I I I find it hard to pick against the Ducks because they have been playing such great hockey. But I think the injuries might be too much. And just to be a contrarian with you guys, I'll say Nashville in seven. Um, oh, I love it. I, I love just it. just I to be it. a contrarian, I don't, I don't, I don't know about. I don't know if their tank is full. I don't know if if they have. Uh, they've been playing so good and so hard and just grinding on it so long with that goal to catch catch up and take that division crown fourth fourth consecutive division title. Um, in, in one of my brackets there on NHL.com, I have the Ducks winning the cup. So, I mean, it, I, I'm kind of going either way here. Um, I think it's going to be a very, very tough series. And I think, I think one thing that might bode well for Nashville as well is that they've been playing in a much tougher division all season long. I mean, let's face it, the King Sharks and Ducks have feasted on uh, Coyotes, Vancouver, Calgary, all season long and got maybe a little fat on that. Um, I don't think there's too much fat on Nashville's record. I think in that division, they had to scratch for everything they got. Um, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a throw out Nashville in seven just to be a contrarian with you guys. Chris, we kind of have a good, uh, a good parlay one, two here because he's a numbers guy. He's a stats guy. He's a Corsi guy. And I just kind of uh -huh. like to go by my gut. And uh, I'm 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 the I'm the feel I'm the I'm the I'm the story guy. I want to get well, I'm, inside. I'm not, I'm, I'm <clears> go ahead. Big, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not the biggest Corsi guy, but uh, uh, but uh, I I do believe in, in numbers and, and what the numbers mean. But, sure. Uh, hey, look, it's not a, it's 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 not a just crazy pick. I mean, last night you picked the the Panthers to beat the Islanders, so I've heard it's crazier. I got the Red Wings. <laughs> I, I got the Red Wings too, buddy. I got the Red Wings too. Florida. I got the wings. Florida's going down in the, the first wings. round, baby. That's it. I guess I got so. The wings and I got the Islanders. There you go. I got. Uh, I got. Uh, so I guess Jay's that. With me. I guess that makes me Don Maloney and you the Phoenix ownership. How's that sound? <laughs> oh. Oh, I did it. I did it. Okay. Well. Uh, no. No. I'm thinking uh, if the NHL announces that uh, Las Vegas gets their team here at the awards show, that's a he's got a great stack of young talent in uh, in Phoenix right now, and bring, bringing in uh, in the Yandel trade the the haul he got for that, I think that could be a guy that could start a franchise and put together a really nice young core, get together a scouting group that that drafts successfully, and he's. Now that he's available, I think you got to get him on the short list for a Las Vegas franchise. I, I welcome him here big time. If I Kings take on Vegas in the playoffs. Who do you cheer for, Mark? If Kings take on Las Vegas in the playoffs. Who do you cheer for as a longtime Kings fan? I'm I, I'm a Kings. So you, you I am a Kings fan. I will root for the Kings. I've been put on the spot uh, many times with that very question, and. Every time the Kings play the Vegas team, I will root for the Kings. And every time the Vegas team plays anybody else, I am have a second team, and I will root for the Las Vegas Knights. That's they, they, I they, think that is 
they, more than fair. They put me on the spot. I, I was doing a television spot, and the guy asked me straight out, and I. Like, man, you had to do that to me. I'm the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and, and you're just dinging me with that. But, uh, no, I'm a Kings fan. I'm, I'm, you know, emotions on my sleeve. I, that's, that's how it is. When the Kings come here, I will wear my Kings gear to the stadium. I'll go that far. How about that? I think that's more than fair, and that's the way it should be. That's beautiful. Go Kings go. Go Kings go. Okay. If I can throw in a quick, uh, a quick thing. 30 uh, seconds. 30 seconds. Tomorrow I have an article at Last Word on Sports called Big Mistake by the Coyotes Ownership. So you can figure out where, what that article is about. Absolutely. We talked a little bit about that, too. I agree with you 100%. But uh, sometimes you got to go your separate ways. Let me get us out to a break here. And we'll come back with what might be the most physical first-round matchup, St. Louis-Chicago. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, welcome back to the Vegas Hockey Podcast with Chris Lee, on Mark Warner. We're talking with Jeff Duarte from the NHL director at CaliSportsNews.com. Make sure you go and check it out and also follow him on Twitter at JDStyles, S-T-Y-L-Z underscore, for all the Cali Sports News and Kings content if you're interested in that for sure. So here we are. We're looking at uh, what I think is going to maybe be uh, the most physical and maybe most hotly contested first round matchup in either conference. Um, obviously, St. Louis and Chicago have their playoff history. I think at one point you got to get to a breaking point with these two clubs, and I think this is the year that that it, I think it might get over the top this year. I think it might get ugly. I think St. Louis is probably pretty tired of uh, their history and. I know David Backus is banged up and he's questionable for earlier in the series, but I think other than that, they're pretty healthy. Um, I'm going to kind of save a little bit and throw it over to Jeff to lead off on this one, but I could go a different way in this one too. So, Jeff, what do you think? Um, this is this is one playoff series. Um, I really had to kind of flip a coin to decide who was going to win. Like, I really struggled um, with, with picking a winner here, of course I did, but um, I mean, like, there's something I call the St. Louis factor, and it's almost something you can kind of say about the Sharks, but at least before this season. It's where, like, St. Louis, I mean, this is a team since Ken Hitchcock, who's won a Stanley Cup as coach for Dallas, you know, Jack Adams trophy winner. This is a guy who turned this team around um, and, you know, has, has made them a regular season powerhouse pretty much every year. This is a team that, you know, on average kind of gets 50 wins almost every season. They had 49 this year. They've hit 50 before. And, you know, they look super strong, super defensive. Brian Elliott gets like 930 save percentage, et cetera. And then when they finally get to the playoffs, you don't see that fire. You don't see that passion. Or, you know, like somehow they find a way to choke in the playoffs. And it's almost like, I, you know, I'm, like, uh, I'm going to mention the Kings again. You know, it's almost like the Kings where sometimes the Kings are not good in the regular season. And then, you know, they flip that switch that people talk about and become a totally different team in the postseason and become, like, a better team. St. Louis is almost the opposite way, where they're so good in the regular season and not so good in the playoffs. Um, so there's always that St. Louis factor I like to talk about. But with that said, I think St. Louis has a great opportunity to take out the defending Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks because the Blackhawks, I mean, they are banged up as well. I mean, Corey Crawford suffered a concussion. He is back. But is he 100%? It's kind of like what I was talking about, about Anderson and Gibson for the Ducks. Is he 100%? And if he isn't, can the Hawks rely on Scott Darling to take him all the way? You know, Darling was great when he needed to be in the games he played last year, but he never had to carry the team. Um, so they're going to rely on Croft and his experience, but is he 100%? Anisimov, upper body injury. I know he's been day-to-day. I don't know what his current status is, but Andrew Shaw has been injured. I mean, there's been injuries here. Plus the fact that the Hawks have played into three straight June 
since 2013, winning the Cup in 2013, losing to the Kings Game 7 Conference Final 2014, winning the Cup again. Is fatigue now going to start being a problem, especially with them all banged up? So with St. Louis, this is a perfect opportunity for them to take out the champs, gain some playoff confidence, and try to actually make a deep playoff push that a lot of people feel that they have the potential to do for the last few years, but they never seem to be able to pull the trigger. Sure, one of their biggest defenses is the fact that the teams they do get eliminated by are teams that go on to win the Stanley Cup. L.A., Chicago, fair enough. But when does that become a defense that eventually you need to get rid of? Like, when does that stop? Like, when can that stop being an excuse? I mean, this is the time they need to step up. Like, I know David Backus, like you said, um, he's been banged up. He's the captain. He's the leader of this team. Jake, uh, Jake Allen has been bothering, uh, having some injuries. They need Vladimir Tarashenko, who is a stud in the regular season, scored 40 goals. They need him to score at an, you know, when they need him the most, clutch goals when they need it in the playoffs as well. This, like, the team needs to finally step up because I feel after this year, if they don't, that's it for Ken Hitchcock. I'm sure he'll be back in the NHL somewhere else, but this St. Louis experiment, I mean, that's done. So St. Louis needs to step up and do it now. With that said, the St. Louis factor factored into my decision-making. I still think Chicago, who is extremely resilient in the playoffs, you know, the Kings are also resilient. St. Louis has shown that they're not as resilient in the playoffs. I think the resilience factor, the experience factor of Chicago, will win them this series. And i got to go game seven again. Chicago and seven. I just don't feel right about the Blues. Mm. You know, I tend, I tend to agree with you on a lot of that. But I think... I think at some point that these guys, I'm talking about St. Louis, are going to get tired of of listening to the St. Louis factor. <laughs> and I, I, but can I was, they? Can they do it? Do they have the heart? Do they have the grit? I mean, Chicago dropped in puck possession. Chicago usually is one of the top uh, puck possession teams every year. Uh, I mean, like last year, I think they were fourth. I could be wrong. Chris is a better guy with numbers than I am. This year, they're in 16th. I mean, this is so good for St. Louis. They, you know, on paper, in theory, they should want this. They should be sick and tired of the St. Louis factor. But can they do it? Do they have the mental strength? Do they have the willpower? Do they have that intestinal fortitude uh, to pro for wrestling? Because they use that a lot. Um, do, they, do they have that in a playoff series when the going gets tough? When the pressure's on and against an elite team like the three-time, you know, in recent years, Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks, that's my biggest question. Do they have that within themselves? Ooh, Chris, what do you think, man? Um, well, to me, I mean, I've seen a lot on social media about the Black Holes since the trade deadline, and granted, their play and their record has not been very good since then. When they, you know, added, added Andrew Ladd, and they added you know, Weiss, and Fleischman and made a lot of really good moves. But, you know, the same thing happened last year. And the same questions came up, and we all know what happened last year. And to me, the Blackhawks are at a time and place where they kind of have, at this time of year, an Al Davis mentality, you know, just win, baby. And, um, uh, you know, obviously St. Louis is a very tough opponent. Um, they, you know, you look at the statistics, they great specialty teams. Uh, great, uh, uh, great team defense. Offense is kind of middle of the pack, but uh, you know they're they're a tough foe, no doubt for the Hawks. But uh, and I get it. Corey Crawford only had the one game at the end of the year, so there is some concern there. Obviously, they don't have Duncan Keith for the suspension for the for the first game as well. Uh, but I really do believe the the Hawks will find a way as the series moves along. I think the word that J.D. was trying to find for the Blues and what a question mark was belief. Do the, do the Blues believe in themselves? Because I know the right. Hawks do. And I don't say that arrogantly. I, I say that confidently. I, I know the Hawks do. So as this series rolls along and gets into these, the end stages, I know the Hawks are going to believe they can win. I don't know if the Blues do. And... Uh, Sometimes when a team is trying to get over a hump, over the hump, that's the hardest the hardest thing to do. So uh, I'm I am predicting the Hawks in seven, uh, 
And I think that's going to, uh, on a quick separate note, set off uh, a number of dominoes for the Blues in the offseason, the offseason between the head coach uh, as well as the roster. As the Blues are really up against the cap and have a lot of guys' contracts coming up, both from a UFA and RFA perspective. And you're going to see a lot of changes in St. Louis, especially if uh, they lose in the first round again. I believe the Blues have been a top team in the regular season now for five straight years, and if they were to lose the series in the first round, they would only have one playoff series win in that time. And when you're, you know, look, anything can happen on a given year, but for every year to get ousted uh, in the first round. And last year they lost to Minnesota, where they were the clear favorite. So this whole thing, well, you know, woe is us, you know, it's not fair, we have to play the Blackhawks. You know, last year they, they, they were a clear favorite, and uh, they still lost. That's right. At all. So uh, I'm saying the Hawks in seven, and uh, this is Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane's time to shine, as well as uh, Duncan Keith, who won't be in game one. But um, uh, in terms of the injuries, I'm sure they have a, a few guys banged up, but so does everybody else, or just about everyone else. Well, for, for my money, Duncan Keith shouldn't be playing in games two, three, or four either. I think 10 games would have been appropriate for the uh, stick incident. That's just my opinion. I think if you intentionally swing your stick to injure another player, it's 10 games. And I know technically with the league, he's not a repeat offender because his his swipe at Jeff Carter that knocked two teeth and 38 stitches into that beautiful mug Jeff Carter has... Um, <laughs> Uh, happened more than 18 months ago. Um, yep. In my mind, it's the second time that guy's done that. And I, I, he's a fantastic defenseman. He's a Conn Smythe Trophy winner. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion. And he's a Norris Trophy, uh, Norris Trophy winner. Maybe two times, I think. But I don't care who he is. If that was Rafi Torres, would he have walked away with six games? I don't think so. If that was, uh, it, you know, lots of, of other players in the league, that six games is, is not what would have happened out of that. should have been 10 games. But anyway, I digress. Um, I, I actually think that uh, I'm going against you guys again. I think St. Louis got home ice. I think that they're, they're – it's, it's – you guys both said it's put up or shut up time for the franchise. Um, I think they put up – I, I – Chris alluded to it also. They, uh, I don't know what has happened since the trade deadline. I don't know, obviously, if there's a chemistry thing with the guys they brought in, if it was just still – Coach Q's a phenomenal coach. I've said it on the show many times that he's, he's a fantastic coach, and I think that's the reason that the Hawks beat the Ducks last year is because he flat-out out-coached Bruce Boudreau. Um but I don't know if it's the pieces that they brought in just don't fit in the right spot. Um, I think if they can shut down the Kane-Panarin line, which obviously has been tough for anybody to do all year. That's another thing. Panarin, I believe, second in, in the team in scoring. But really his first trip through the playoffs, I believe, right? His first year with the club. He's a rookie going for rookie of the year. So how does... How does the playoff atmosphere uh, affect young Panarin? Does does he rise up even better? Or you know that's always something to look at with young players. Is is uh, they had great regular seasons and how do they do in the playoffs? Well, you know if if he can't finish some of those Patrick Kane passes or if he starts gripping his stick a little bit too tight in that that Kane line, Kane's going to be Kane. Um, Taves is going to be K- Taves. Um, Hosa's going to be Hosa. It's really, really hard for me to pick against Chicago because um, I've said it before, it, it, you can't just knock them down. You can't just kick dirt on them. You have to freaking kill the Blackhawks or they will beat you. Uh, I, I still just look at, at that Game 7 last year in Anaheim where the Ducks are leading with like two minutes left or it might have been Game 5. But no, it's game seven, and and Taves is over on the other side of the goal line and just throws it at the net. And, of course, it goes off his skate to tie the game. 
Um, that's that's just what yeah. that's just what Chicago does. I mean, <laughs> you cannot just beat that team. You have to kill that team, and I I just think that the way the stars are aligning as we go into the playoffs here, I I like the way St. Louis is playing. I'm not a big fan of the way the Blackhawks have played coming down the stretch, and I'm a contrarian, you guys again, and I'm going to say Blues in a home ice game seven to get over the hump, break the door down, and then um, we'll talk about that in our next round preview, but um, it's going to be interesting for the Blues. If, and, and I agree there's a similarity there between the Islanders and the Blues to where if either team doesn't get out of the first round, there's going to be a lot of people looking for jobs. So um, they, it's put up or shut up time for the Blues. And I'm just going to say that maybe uh, Je- Jeff had said, uh, yeah, three very, four very long seasons in a row. Um, they finally catch up to Blackhawks Blues in seven. I got to go to a break and we'll come back for King Sharks after, when we come back. Hello, hockey fans. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Victory Martial Arts Las Vegas. If you're interested or been thinking about getting you or your kids or your family into martial arts, there's no better no better outfit in the country than Victory Martial Arts. I can say that from personal experience. My daughter's been enrolled with Victory Martial Arts for the past uh, seven years, she's tw- and she's 12. So I've spent a lot of time of her life down there at Victory. And I can tell you right now, it's a first-class organization. If you're looking for adult classes, they teach Krav Maga, which is uh, Israeli Secret Service-inspired martial art. If you're looking for family classes where you can take your kids and get on the mat with them, they have family taekwondo. They have karate for kids where they're not just learning forms and sparring and executing punches and kicks, but every two months they institute a new life skill into the program where the kids learn honesty, communication, discipline, self-esteem, and in each cycle they drill the pillars of behavior that the kids need to act in order to conduct themselves with honesty, discipline, self-esteem, and communication, and so on and so forth. They're the 12 pillars of life, as they call it, at Victory Martial Arts. So there's more going on there than just uh, punching and kicking and exercise, but it's great for that too. If you're into MMA, they have a MMA program inspired and designed by former UFC lightweight champion Anthony Pettis called Victory Showtime. Uh, he owns Victory School in Milwaukee and is very in. If you follow Anthony Pettis at all, you know that he's a uh, Taekwondo black belt in that's the, the cage kick, the ninja kick. He, his, his kicks and strikes are some of the most dynamic in the UFC and it's because of his Taekwondo background. So if you guys are interested in that, they got a special right now. If you, if you call down there, 702-645-5425, use the promo code when you call them the Vegas Hockey Podcast. They'll give you two free weeks of classes and a free martial arts gi for you and your family and whoever whoever you bring down. Um, so that's pretty cool. Check them out. That's Victory Martial Arts, Tanea, 7270 West Lake Mead Boulevard in the northeast corner in the Whole Foods parking lot. Again, 702-645-5425. Check them out. Okay, one last segment, Hockey fans. Uh, the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, hopefully by now you know you're listening to Hockey so Jeff Duarte, make sure you follow Jeff over at, at JD Styles S T Y L Z underscore, and also go to Cali Sports News and follow him over there as well. He's their NHL director of content. So always good stuff talking to Jeff. We appreciate his presence with us today. And now we come to the Kings and Sharks. I'm gonna let Chris go ahead and lead this one off, and it'll be good to get Jeff's insight as he has is the Kings contributor over at Cali Sports News as well as being their NHL director. So, Chris, take it away. Yeah, this is, I tell you, between the last series, the Hawks and the Blues, and this one as well, one of the toughest series uh, to uh, to predict. And also, it was a tough one seen coming. Who, who would have thought after the Kings beat the Ducks at home? 
looked like they were primed to win the division. Uh, but that's uh, I'll save that for you guys. Um, you know, the key to me here is the goaltending. And these teams are – it's a pretty even series, I believe, uh, to say the least. Um, but at the end of the day – and a big stat for me is going to be um, – each team's power play and each team's penalty kill. Both teams have very good power plays from the regular season. Sharks are the third best, Kings are the eighth best. But both teams struggled or were mediocre at best on the penalty kill. Sharks are 21st and Kings were 15th. So that's going to be tightened up from both sides. So that is going to be something interesting to watch as well. But, you know, the series is going to start off Jonathan Quick versus Martin Jones. Sharks get behind, but Jones has a bad game. Reimer played really well for the Sharks after getting acquired from the, by the Leafs. From the Leafs, so I wonder how quick of a hook uh, uh, they'll have uh, with the with the young guy. So um, th- you know, this this is a big series for the Sharks, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. I mean, if I had some audio here of a window closing, I I, I would because. Uh, you know, this is a, an older team. Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe are in their late 30s. Uh, they're only signed through next year. I mean, Brett Burns, I think, is around 30. Joe Ward's in his 30. Paul Martin. Uh, they traded away their first-round pick from this year. Uh, they've they traded away second-round picks to the lead. I mean, they, they have sold a lot of the future, and uh, the time is now for this franchise to break through. Uh, unlike the Blues, I don't know what moves they can really make if, if they want to change the dynamic. But, that, again, that's talk for another day. At the end of the day, I think that I see the series going seven games. And, to me, the Kings will be at home, and they'll have Jonathan Quick in that. And I think that's going to be the difference. So, I'm saying Kings in seven. Well, I think you touched on a couple of important points there. Um I think the goaltender matchups what swayed me to go with the Kings in this. Um, Jeff, go ahead and jump in and uh, and give me a breakdown of this series, and we could go back and forth with it a little bit. But I think the what really swayed me is if it is a long series and you're going to give me Jonathan Quick and they get a rookie goalie or a Maple Leaf castoff. No offense, Mr. Optimus, Optimus Rhyme, who happens to have my favorite nickname in the sport. Um, uh, I'm taking Jonathan Quick, and that's uh, I. I struggled with this pick a little bit because one thing. Uh, let me let me just say, um, I don't believe the character of the Sharks is built to be the favorite and withstand the the scrutiny of that but i do think that they're flying under the radar nobody pay attention to me it is very conducive to the sharks makeup where they don't have to worry about president's trophies or division championships or people picking them to go to the cup and and bringing up it was 3-0 and in any of that all they have to do is come in and play hockey, and I think that's that bodes very well for the Sharks. But Jeff, I'll let you uh, let you break it down for me, brother. What do you think? Um, as a Kings fan, and I, I, like, this series worries me. And uh, it, it, Chris hit the nail on the head when he said that the Sharks. I mean, they were what third uh, in power play overall in the season. Was that right, Chris? Was yeah. Third overall in the power play. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Third. Right, the Kings were fifteenth on the penalty kill, and if you followed this modern, uh, you know, this current what I call the golden age of Kings hockey, these last few years since twenty twelve, you know, the Kings. One thing the Kings have always been fantastic at, of course, is being defensive. And yes, the Kings were right up there with when it came to goals against, when it came to the battle for the Jennings Trophy. The Kings really just lost it at the end. They were battling with Anaheim and Washington. Anaheim won it. You know, the Kings, you know, numbers-wise, when it comes to goals against, were, of course, competing to be the best team, you know, with their least goals against. But you look at that penalty kill at 81.4%, and that scares 
uh, the heck out of me because, like, the Kings, like, when they won in 2014, I think they were 11 at 83.1. When they won in 2012, they were fourth overall in the regular season, and that's when they had a horrible regular season where most players besides Quick had, a, like, had career lows, like, points-wise. But there was that reliability of the penalty kill. With San Jose firing on all guns and, like, Joe Thornton, um, he's getting older, like Chris said. Marlon's getting older again. They, you know, they, how many more windows of opportunity are they going to have at that, you know, at the Stanley Cup? So Joe Thornton bounces back with 82 points. He yeah, fourth overall. Absolutely. How fantastic uh, a season but, did he have? Yeah, he's back to the Joe Thornton of old, you know, and playing with some fire at least so far in the season. Joe Pavelski, the current captain, I'm pretty sure one day will be the former captain of the Sharks, like Thornton and Marlowe. But he had 78 points. He was sixth overall in the NHL. So with watching the Kings, especially down the stretch, how poorly they played on the penalty kill and seeing San Jose being so great on the penalty kill, that scares me. Um, at the same time, it's like what I said about St. Louis and like Chris, you know, he said, you know, do, do St. Louis believe in themselves? Does, does San Jose, sure they don't have the pressure now of, you know, competing for president's trophies. They don't have the pressure of competing for a division title and they don't have the pressure anymore of, you know, going even deep in the playoffs or going in the playoff series. Like, th- that is now officially off their back, and that's been off their back for some time. But they do know they're playing against the team. You know what I mean? Like, how, how much is that as a mental factor? The fact that they are going to play against that team, that, you know what, these guys find ways. You can be up 3 nothing in a series, and these, you know, these, these damn guys come back. They, like, they're cockroaches. You can't step on those guys. Because when you do, they just show up somewhere else. Um, so it, it does scare me in that sense, but, it, like, I, I also believe the goaltending is going to be a factor. Martin Jones, yeah, former LA King, uh, super nice guy, you know, lots of potential, lots of talent, had a fantastic season. But how much playoff experience does this boy have, okay? In 2014, yeah, he won a cup, but who led the team to the cup? Again, it was Jonathan Quick. Martin Jones just came in a couple of games where Quick did get the hook, I, I know, against San Jose. Ironically, you know, early in that series, I believe against Chicago too. I could be wrong about that. But Jones hasn't really been the guy in the playoff series. Uh, James Reimer has played fantastic since he left the league. You know, like playing in Toronto is not easy. I'm not a Leafs fan, but I live an hour away from Toronto. If the listeners don't know, so it is a fishbowl up here. This media, this fan base, they are starving for a championship. Hasn't been to the final or won the cup since '67. They want something bad, and Reimer. He was really caught in the middle of that. They never had full confidence in him. You know, they would go with Jonathan Bernier. He was a part of. He was the goalie that played the last time the Leafs were in the playoffs against the Boston Bruins in 2013. Where in Game Seven, I mean, I was at the gym uh, and the Leafs were up four. The Leafs were up four uh, one in the third period. You know, so all the Leafs fans in the gym, they're not even working out. They're, they're watching television. I had the whole gym to myself. It was part of the best workout I ever had. <laughs> By the time I. By the time I got home, it was 4-4. And then, of course, Boston won historically. It was a huge class, but Reimer happened to be the goalie. Um, In San Jose, he's not in that fishbowl, right? He's now in Northern California. Sure. I mean, there's still still pressure. This team needs to win now. I mean, Thornton and Marlowe getting older. But Reimer doesn't have that crazy, frenzy, medium fan pressure that he has in Toronto. Um, So that does scare me as well. But it doesn't scare me enough where I actually think the Sharks are going to win this series. I do think the Kings are going to pull it off because of their resilience. Like I was talking about with Chicago and St. Louis, the Kings do believe in themselves. And they played very poorly since they clinched the playoff spot. Some people say it's by design. Some people say, you know what? No, it's not. They just, they just weren't, they sucked. They just were playing poorly. I don't know. There's a lot of things about these LA Kings. I honestly, logically cannot explain who can explain that 2014 playoff run. I mean, they went against conventional thinking. They went against the odds. So I really cannot bet against this core group because they've done it, and they've done it twice, and they've gone to three-year conference finals, and they also have something to prove by not making the playoffs last year, just like San Jose. I think in the end, like Chris said, Game 7 at home in the Staples Center, you've got Jonathan Quick in that, who, let's be honest, plays his best in the playoffs anyways. This is a money goaltender that when you need those saves at the time that you need it, late in the third period, when you need him most, this is a guy that grants your back in his front who finds ways to make that one save. He may have led in some bad goals earlier in the game, but when it counts, he has proven again and again he can do it. Can't uh... do that. He's still, un- he's still unproven. He's a rookie goaltender in the end, and he's taking on his former team. 
hey, that's going to be a lot of pressure, you know? Um, yeah. I still say the Kings in seven, but it's going to be, like, I'm going to need a prescription for Venice because this, like, my anxiety is going to be through the roof. Yeah. But I still got to say the Kings. The the making the save when it's needed was never more apparent than with two-tenths of a second left against Winnipeg in the overtime. Um I say, that, I say, save the year. Call, call I, me a homer. I'm, call me biased. No, what the runner-up save of the year is when he threw his stick out to the to his right there, um, and I forget who it was all alone, but it wasn't it wasn't that long ago either, and uh, chipped it up and it went off the crossbar and popped out. So, I, I forget. Don Cherry, you guys, I know you guys know who Don, Don Cherry is. Of course, uh, people listeners there in the United States may not know who Don Cherry is, but he's a personalities for Hockey Night in Canada here in Canada. And he has a DVD series, which used to be, this is how old I am, I'm sure my age, a VHS series huh. called Rock'em Sock'em Hockey. And they nice. are highlights, and he is a huge Jonathan Quick fan. And he has a lot of those highlights of saves that you just described, Mark, that Quick has done many times before. Sure. I mean, very similar to that Winnipeg save. It almost reminds me of the save in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final in Madison Square Garden, where Quick, like, out of nowhere, just had that, you know, the stick of the paddle up there, which yep. is like, whoa, this guy has, like, such amazing reflexes. Or the so Scorpion. The, fan, the Scorpion save. The Scorpion save. <laughs> was that 2014? I believe that was 2014. That was 2014, like, yeah. Yeah, he's on his stomach, and he raises up his back leg like a scorpion's tail, and makes the save. And you just scratching your head like, what? Yes. You know, I just, I do feel a lot of Kings fans, not everyone, of course, but a lot of Kings fans are taking John the Quick for granted because the Kings have never had a goaltender at this level. He is a money goalie, and he makes those saves. I mean, you got to be good to be lucky. You got to be lucky to be good. John the Quick is the guy, and if, like you said, Mark, if there's a game seven, yeah, I'm gonna bet on Quick. Daryl Sutter's even said that. Um, so many people have been t- like saying that in their articles and stuff. Quick, you know what? Is he elite? Is he not elite? That's a debate for another day. People have been debating that for years. It's not know, a. De- it's not a debate. Walk. It's not a debate. He's one of the. He's I, the guy. He's one of the best three goalies in the National Hockey League. Um, let's just get that out of the way. LA's sticking on Chicago, and Chicago's getting well, against the Rangers, and they're having breakaways near the end of the game. It's Jonathan Quick making those saves. Regardless if you let in a bad goal earlier in the game, now it's crunch time. He gets you there, and he's shown that. Cost yep. my trophy winner as well. And i got to pick him over Jones and Raymond. So let me get uh, – got about a minute and a half left. Let me get a couple things in that really do worry me about that. You say the Sharks have the number three power play in the league. The Kings were the third most penalized team in the league. Part of what is worrying me is that when they won in 2012 and won in 2014, they were one of the most disciplined teams in the league. They would play whistle to whistle. They would uh, go entire they, – they went – uh, I think two or three games in a row without taking a penalty. And this year I don't see that discipline. And maybe it's the youth on defense that is, is still learning to move their feet instead of stick. Um, I also see a lot of offensive zone penalties that I don't like seeing out of this group. I don't like the way that they've been outscored in the third period, 12-5, to 5, since uh, the end of – or the mid, middle of March, they've been outscored in the third period, 12 to five. I don't like the way this team has been giving up goals in the last minute of periods, like the McFlurry minute. Like they just want to give everybody ice cream cones. They need to, they need to tighten that up because if they don't, San Jose is a team that will take advantage of them on that power play and make them pay for it. If they can't get back to their disciplined brand of hockey, I don't see them, but I will pick them in seven just for Jonathan Quick. i got to take a break. We'll be right back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. Okay, Hawks fans, we'll do a, little, a real quick wrap-up. That'll do it for our Western Conference playoff preview show. 
thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your time and, and all the all the emails and, and tweets and retweets that we get on the show. If you guys have any questions, queries, complaints, or want to contact the show, just follow us on Twitter and leave us a comment or email me, Mark Warner at VegasHockeyPodcast.com. Um, Chris, you got any final thoughts for us, buddy? Yeah, I'm just looking forward to uh, playoff hockey starting tomorrow night. Man. It's uh, it's the long long train coming. Well, Jeff, thanks for thanks for coming in, sir. We really appreciate your insight as always. Well done. Um, we'll be talking to you further down the road. Hopefully, there'll be uh, a few more a few more shows together, sir. We always appreciate you coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun, always a pleasure, and go Kings go. All right, we'll talk to you down the road, sir. Thank you, sir. Well, Chris, another another uh, season in the books. Uh, on the eve of the the playoffs, you got any? Uh, the, se- the second, the second season begins. Second season begins. Who's your e- either conference? Who's your dark horse? Hello. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, either conference. Tough one, huh? Well, the, the only thing I didn't like about my picks is I found I was picking a lot of chalk picks, although I think it's going to be very competitive. Uh, I will say this. Um, I think we'll put a lot of pressure on, or good pressure on both the Islanders and the Panthers. Panthers have not won a playoff series since 1986, and the Islanders haven't won a playoff series since 1993. Uh, is the fact that the winner of that series will break that curse uh, and get the winner of Detroit, Tampa, and a, and a banged up Tampa. And I'm not saying. Whoever wins that series is a shoe in to be the winner of Detroit Tampa in fairness to them, but you gotta like their chances. So that's a really big series for those two franchises. Uh they can go, you know, the loser's gonna be going home and think of what might have been and the winner uh could could go on a could go on a bit of a run. So um, that's an interesting storyline to me. I think the it's more of a uh going home and thinking about what might have been issue for the Islanders than it is for the Panthers. I think the with Ekblad and and all the all the young guys that they have, they could very if if they play a tough tough six seven game series and the Islanders do come out on top, those kids can <coughs> excuse me, take that as a learning experience, put a little <coughs> excuse me, put a little fire in their belly for next year. Um I agree. With, I agree with that. Part, but keep in mind, the Islanders are very young. Uh, uh, the Islanders. I agree with what you just said. Uh, but keep in mind, the Islanders are very young themselves. Uh, but like I said, this is you know, if this third time's not the charm, uh, you know, I think there'll be. I think many things will be up for a review from the head coach to the general manager. You have new ownership coming in to the roster. I think you know, if you own the team, you're gonna you're gonna ask some pointed questions. That doesn't mean they're gonna do anything. Uh, ridiculous in terms of trades, but uh, I think that you know, for a team that's been pretty together uh, the last couple of years, I think you'll see some changes in the roster. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. Like I said, I think it's going to be uh, you know, like I said, I predicted a seven-game series and a tie score with ten minutes to go. So uh, if I'm predicting Sticking that, with it. I'm basically telling you mm-hmm. it's a coin. I'm basically telling you it's a coin flip series. So. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think I called it my 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 dark horse coming out of the not maybe to come out of the West, but to make a a really solid run is St. Louis. I think that uh, this is the year where they do do vanquish the mighty Hawks. Um, I know that's a bold statement, and I have nothing but respect for the Blackhawks. Trust me, um, the, the best best team of our time. Them, you know, back and forth with the Kings. It's 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 a toss up, so, but I, I I just I don't know, I I I go on gut and feeling, and I think that St. Louis is going to put their foot down, and and they've had enough of it, um, and they're in the same boat that the Islanders are. If they don't, uh, obviously widely speculated, if they don't they they don't come on some kind of a run, that the Hitchcock era will be will be coming to an end, and I'm sure. Well, uh, moving. Moving T.J. Oshie out was kind of a signal 
and I think there'll be a whole lot, lot more of that if they don't come to fruition and at least get past the Blackhawks. That's give the St. Louis faithful something to hang their hat on for this season at least. So that'll do it for our uh, Eastern and Western Conference playoff previews. We'll be back uh, in a week or two with our second round matchups. And if we could pull a guest out of our hat, we'll be back next week with a with a, a regular show. So until we hear, see if you see you guys again and and hear from you, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we're gone.